Hey, this is your man Miles, and this is the Real Estate 360 Podcast. Today, as always, as I love to have my mans and my mans on the show, we got Steve rocking out with us today to talk about real estate. You know, we had a great show last week. We're going to talk about everything that we're going to be doing, but more specifically in this particular episode, we're going to talk about the advantage of cash flow moving into this type of economical cycle that we're in. So, you ready, Steve? I am ready. Yes, sir. By the way, hashtag unemployable. That's right. You know, when you start doing this stuff, people people may not want to hire you. So be you know be careful. That's right, you guys. <laughs> so get your pen, get your pad, take your notes. We'll be right back after this. Turn up, turn up, turn up. All right, guys, we're back. We are back to the Real Estate 360 podcast. This is Jason O. Miles, hashtag the real estate trainer. Steve Connolly, hashtag unemployable. Not even this for a while. <laughs> just, a couple, just a couple years, I would imagine. Yes, sir. So, Steve, you know, we're getting a lot of questions about, you know, what, what do we want to do? What can we do? You know, we're having people reach out to us uh, on an you know, from a student level that, you know, they want to learn how to fix and flip. They want to learn how to wholesale. And, you know, it's a great time to learn some of those techniques and habits. But the reality of it is it's tough to find wholesale deals today. They're still out there, but they're not in the abundant amounts that we had them, you know, just a few years ago. So it's, it's really tough. I mean, we're still finding them, but we're probably yeah. finding, you know, our numbers are we're finding about 20% of the properties that we were finding prior in the manner that we like to find them. You know, there's, exactly. you know, it's, 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 and it's not that there's a shortage of opportunity. It's that values are so high, you know, so when home values have gone up, the people that own these houses, you know, they watch the news or some version thereof. Right. And so they know home values are up and no time greater than now, Steve, have I witnessed so many people believing in the Zestimate, you know, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I simply cannot believe, I mean, I can believe it, but it's so, it's so rampant right now. You know, I, I was telling you about this house that we looked at over the weekend and these people want $250,000 for this house. It's worth a top end 320, right? And that's fully renovated, you know, retail ready, open floor plan, granite countertops, you know, the whole nine, right? Uh, this house didn't have HVAC. It was renovated. It was technically move-in ready, but guess what? You walk in the front door and you're literally walking into a diner. A what? A diner. A diner. A diner, complete with the, you know. I thought you said you this was a house. It was a house. It is a house. It's a rooming house, actually. <laughs> that, I didn't, I forgot to tell you that part. It's also a rooming house, so it's segmented. I mean, it's in good shape, but yeah. it's it needs to be fully renovated because of the way it currently presents. I mean, well, you're walking the into, we're walking into Mel's Diner every time you walk in the front door. 
Well, how were the prices, you know, for the the, the patty melt? <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't ask. They did have. <laughs> they they did have a malt machine, though. They did have a malt machine. What? Uh, oh my God! Uh, yeah, I'll, That's crazy. I'll, I'll send you the pictures, but it's it was ridiculous. But the people that own it are so far outside the realm of reality. Uh, I made them a different offer. You know, we made it yesterday, as a matter of fact, because you know we told them what we were willing to pay for the house, and they were, you know. They were insulted, like truly insulted. Initial offer was 150. Our maximum offer was 175. So we came back and said, look, we can do 170, but they're dead set on 250. Now we know they're not going to get 250. I mean, if they hold it for another five or six years, provided we have the kind of growth that we have now, which we're not, then they would probably be able to sell it for 250. But so I made them another offer yesterday that they didn't spit on right away. And that offer was to partner with them. Say, oh, hey, okay. you put up the house, we'll put up the renovation budget, and then we'll split the profits 50-50. Now, you're not going to make $250,000, but you're going to make a lot more than one hundred and fifty. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, so well, what it, about all the other questions? Like, what's our back-end financing? Um, what about the cash flow of the house as it sits right now as a as a boarding house, is it is that really strong or is it weak? Uh, so at, at a $250,000 price point, it's very, very weak, right? Okay, so gotcha. if, yeah, so if we were to go in, even with owner financing at a $250,000 price point, it just, you know, we'd probably be, at best case scenario, we'd be in a situation where we'd be paying about $1,200 a month, right? Mm -hmm. uh, which for them would be, for the current owners, that wouldn't be enough for them to move on, right? Gotcha. There wouldn't be enough for them to move on. They'd be taking a pay cut to move how on. Much does, does, how much does the uh, d does the diner portion bring in? How much money does that? Uh, no, nope, you know they they don't they, they don't do it. But the property <laughs> is getting around, of course. Yeah, but they got they've got four beds that stay rented at two hundred dollars a week, roughly eight hundred dollars a month per. So. Wow. You know, per, per tenant. So, you know, they're $3,200 roughly a month. So for us to come in and even offer half of that would be, um, would be tough for them, right? It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a situation where they could go on. But again, you know, there's room for uh, improvement over there, but we'd have to spend the money and so on and so forth. But the point I'm trying to make, it's a bad deal for us the way we want to do things, you know, and if had that property, let's say been renovated the way, maybe not to perfection, <clears throat> but in that neighborhood, you know, we can do an owner financing, you know, we could do it with them for 250, pay them what they want. Um, if the house was in better condition. Okay. And then just immediately just clean it up, maybe put some paint on the walls. Very simple. Don't spend any more than, you know, a few thousand dollars in doing that. And then lease optioning it to someone else at 280 or 290, knowing that the values are as high as 320,000 over there. So, you know, those are the kind of things that we'd be looking at in this particular economy. Because guess what we have now, Steve? You know, we're <clears throat> we're in a situation. I was reading an article uh, that CNBC had. I read it in January, so I read it last month, but it came out the, uh, uh, in the uh, middle of December talking about 
the rental numbers. So, you know, I read the article and then they had a video about it, which, by the way, I'm going to share that, that article in the description. Uh, there will be a link to that uh, CNBC article in the description of this. But they talked about the numbers from the fall of 2021. I'm just paraphrasing right here. It says, uh, the numbers suggest that rents will increase at a rapid pace in the coming years. Okay, years. Uh, there's a problem for Americans. Many spend, so th that's a problem for Americans because many spending are many spend 30% or more of their income on rent, and that's been a decade-long slowdown uh, in house building. Now there hasn't been a slowdown in house building. There's been a slowdown in house building that's affordable, right? So. Even though the article talks about affordability, it's coming from a rental perspective. And we are going to see that. We are going to see those rental values continue to go up. And until values, as we discussed before, until values for homes begin to slow down, let's just say slow down, or at mm -hmm. least plateau, right? Until that occurs, we're going to see people that are earning you know, 80, 85,000 and up continue to buy these 400, $450,000 new builds that are pricing everyone else out of the market. Now, what we will see when that happens is the rental market shooting sky high and houses, the regular houses that we're going to be getting, Steve, are going to be still valued at what they are, but because a a one-bedroom apartment right now is eighteen, nineteen hundred dollars, two thousand a month, right? And this, and we're talking about in Metro Atlanta, in certain areas of it, right? It stands to reason that someone that wants a house would be willing to pay more for more, right? So you could take a two-bedroom, two-bathroom house in that same neighborhood and sell it for four hundred, four hundred and fifty thousand dollars maybe even a half a million dollars right now with interest rates being as low as they are. And that person that was spending $2,000 a month for a one bedroom apartment will feel satisfied with that acquisition. Now, having said that, the person that's selling that house, Steve, they know the house needs to be renovated. They know what the values are in the neighborhood, but they also know what the rental market is bringing in the neighborhood. So they're not going to sell it at a super discount just because it needs some renovation. They're going to sell it at a relative discount because they know you can get $2,500 a month or $3,000 a month in rent for that house. Right. You know, and, and that's what I'm seeing occur in the market. I mean, it's amazing to see. Uh, we were having a conversation before we got on today about you know, rising rental prices. You know, people that work with us that are renting in apartment buildings are looking at, you know, in my neighborhood, you know, a three-bedroom apartment a couple years ago would have cost, you know, maybe $1,600 a month. That's well over, well over $2,000 a month uh, now. And they want the people that are moving into these apartments to earn three times the asking rent minimum. Exactly. So when you, when you, I mean, think yeah. about that for a second, right? So 
let, let, let me point out this one article, okay, Steve? Yeah, that article you're talking about uh, also, um, it says in there that the interest, I mean, the uh, rental rates are going to increase an average of 7.1%. Potentially, yeah. yeah. Potentially. That's, a, that's a big increase. It's huge. Uh, I mean, yeah. let's look at here. Okay, so here, here's an article. And by the way, guys, I'm also going to share... Uh, a link to this article in the description as well, so you can read the whole the whole article. Okay, so this was uh, January seventeenth. This one came out. It's the U.S. Rental Property Outlook, um, done by uh, uh, Managed Casas, which is a an investment management company, right? So, just to point out a few key pointers here. Enjoy further insights to the state of the rental market report, which includes, okay, the market is growing, is growing size enough for rental property investors, property managers, landlords, and tenants to feel confident in the market going forward into 2022. We had a growing uh, size just before the last crash in 2007. So what, what do they mean by that? Okay, so what, what they mean there is before 2007, and Steve, you and I were talking about this as well, but before yes. the financial crash, there were condo conversions happening like crazy all around the country. They were buying apartment buildings, converting them into condos because there was a shortage of affordable housing, right? And people mm -hmm. wanted to own. And so they could go in and they could buy these apartment buildings, fix them up and sell them for 180, 200,000, even $250,000 a unit. And that was considered, you know, to be you know, affordable, right? Relatively speaking, you know, and again, and that made a lot of sense at the time, you know, cause you know, you buy the, the apartments on a per door basis, you know, mm -hmm. maybe it's 30, 40, 50, 60,000 a door back then. Yep. And then you turn around and you sell it for $180,000 after you put, you know, 30, because, you know, it's a, it's an apartment. You you don't have to redo the whole outside and everything and put landscaping in and all that. You just really, it's a redo on the inside. That's exactly right. A lot of it, was, yeah. it was a big money maker until people stopped buying them. That's for sure. <laughs> and they stopped buying them as soon as, you know, the, the crash occurred. I mean, it was a wrap. So, yeah. you know, it was, it was just a wrap and there were a lot of people left holding the bag, uh, in those situations, but, but that's what we had. We had this huge buildup. It was different than what we have today though. So, you know, when I'm, when I read articles like that or, or, or parts of articles like that, you know, I'm looking at that and saying, okay, but there are significant differences in the market conditions from 07 to 22. I mean, there, there's significant Huge differences. differences. Absolutely. Huge. They're, they're nowhere near the same. I mean, now, you know, there, there's still a shortage of affordable housing, but pe and people are buying apartment buildings, not because they want to do conversions, but because of the increased value in the rental market. That's why they want to do it. And why, and why is that? Why do you think that is, Steve? Well, cash flow, it really comes down to they can make more money. Yep. And it's always about that, right? Right. Well, it, it is, I mean, the, the reason for that is you have a shift in mindset of buyers today. That's the exactly. biggest reason, you know, the think about it now. Side. 
Yeah. Right. It's, it's the demand yeah. side. It's always on the demand side. If there was more demand, truly more demand for affordable housing, we'd see that again. We'd see those condo conversions again. We'd see it again. But there isn't. People would prefer to rent. Now, that was 15 years ago, right? Right. 15 years ago. So who are the buyers today? The buyers today are millennials. 15 years ago, the 30-year-old was 15 and in high school and were, was more than likely watching their parents uh, go through financial hardships during that time. And they watched them do that through their high school years. And so their belief about money, their belief about home ownership, all of that changed. All of that changed for them. Not to mention, I mean, we can take it from the 15-year-old to the 18-year-old to the 20-year-old that was in college, you know, 15 years ago. The way they saw money change hands or, or leave hands, so it were, and what their parents and their, their friends' parents had gone through with home ownership, as well as employment, shifted their mentality. So now you have a group of people that are not currently interested in buying. They want to rent. They want to be nomads. They want to be able to pick up and go over here and pick up and go over there. And really, fortunately for them, COVID happened because now from an employment standpoint, they can stay at home and work. It doesn't matter where they are. Companies are hiring people uh, to work for, you know, Atlanta-based companies or California-based companies or Texas-based companies that might live in Wyoming. Mississippi, Minnesota, because they don't need to come into the office, depending on what their job is. So it shifts the dynamic. Adversely, what we're seeing there is companies paying them less money because they don't have to drive in and pay to park and buy lunch and spend, you know, $7 on that coffee, you know, every, every day. <laughs> so they're offering them less money. COVID did really you know, make a significant change in pushing people essentially out of the office building environment and into the home environment. I've got a great friend that works for AT&T and she said, Oh, I got to go to work now. So she walks upstairs and goes into a bedroom up there and closes the door and turns on a computer and she's working and, and you know, I'm listening to her. She's got conversations going on. I'm thinking how many people are in that room up there? <laughs> you know, <laughs> Well, there's only her. But uh, it sounds like, you know, there's, there's, she's having a board meeting and, and, and of course she does IT work. And, uh, but that's, that has really changed the landscape significantly. So now everybody can kind of move out into the, to the burbs, you know. But to that point, rental rates have gone up quite a bit. I know somebody in my neighborhood that uh, is renting and they, their, rent, their rents went up like 20% are better, you know, 25%, uh, single family house in the burbs. So, um, that seven, one, 7.1% is an average rental rate Nash nationwide. So I'm suspecting that in your Metro areas, you know, the rent rates, the rent increases are higher. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they're double so, digit, double digits. What does all this mean to us as investors though? So for us as investors, it means that there's a huge opportunity knowing that we're going to not necessarily lose equity, but have equity capped at some point here, we're going to have a correction. There's no questioning 
that. Or okay. diminishing equity even. I'm sorry? Or diminishing yeah. equity. We're, yeah, that's what I'm saying. We're going to have a correction. And that's that's mm. going to happen to some extent. You know, whether you believe, you know, that it's going to be 5 or 10% or 20 or 30% as is, is, that's what some people believe. You know, but right. there, there's no crystal ball here that we can look into and say this is what you need to prepare for other than the fact that we know we're going to have that correction, okay? Whatever it looks like is what it looks like. But what we know, even if it's as modest as 5 or 10%, there's going to be a plateau. Then there's going to be that 5 or 10% depreciation or perceived depreciation of value. That's more of a perception than anything else that is going to be solely driven by market conditions at that time. But you need to be ready to take advantage of that. They're telling you now, right now, go get your house before the rates go up. Go spend, go spend. And people are rushing to get these applications in so they can get approved and buy a house. They're rushing to do that. As I mentioned before, it's over 8%. It's over 8 It's closer to 10% now. Um, of of uh, an increase in mortgage applications right now before the Fed meets again in March, right? So as those interest rates are going to go up, we're going to see values plateau. We'll see more and more people going into rental properties, you know, apartment buildings, all of the apartment buildings they're building now, all those assets that they're building are Class A assets. They're not building Class C assets, meaning they're not building affordable apartments. They're building apartments that are $2,000 a month for a one-bedroom apartment, $2,400 a month for a two-bedroom apartment, and so on and so forth. They are building these things that are pricing people out. And to go back, Steve, uh, as you pointed, you pointed to go back into this article here in uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, paragraph 4, uh, we're not going to read the whole article, but uh, again, I'll link it in the description for you to read. Um, but in paragraph four, it says right now that the average apartment renter is earning $70,000 a year with expected uh, wage, uh, wages rising strongly at 3.3% per year. But my question to you, Steve, is, is a 3.3% annual appreciation in salary enough to keep up with one, inflation, and two, these double-digit rises in rental, um, um, well, uh, rental numbers. I'm not a math major, but if you've got a ten percent <laughs> rise in your rental pricing and a three percent rise in your income, there's a seven percent gap there. So no, well, the answer would be absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, if we, if we, mathematically speaking, and I don't want to confuse anybody here, but if we take that, right, if we take the fact that the average American, as, as it states in this article, is spending 30% of their annual salary on, um, on, on their, on their rent, you know, 30% of that 70,000 is $21,000, right? $21,000, a 3% increase on a $70,000 salary is 2,100 bucks. Let's call it 2200 bucks, right? Yeah. It's a wash. So those 10% increases on that 21,000 is $2100 a year, but you've got an increase of $2200 a year. So you make $100 more. You feel like you're winning, right? 
but it's it's a wash so that means that the wage that you're receiving the living wage that you're receiving is just enough to keep up with rent not everything else not inflation as it relates to your gas your food you know just all the other necessities and essentials you have in life that hundred dollars a year is not going to be enough to cover the inflation mm -hmm. okay because inflation is generally at around 2.6 percent we're three times higher than that now okay so you've got to prepare yourself for these kind of things and look at the numbers inside the numbers now as investors because that's who we're speaking to right here right now as investors you have to see that the value is right there for you if you can't go out and buy the house that you want to fix and flip and make you know 50 60 70 thousand i think the average right now is you know right at around 46,000 it used to be 62 or 66 but now it's into the 40s because of the increased you know cost of materials increased value in that number in some cases is going down depends on what you're what you're focused on but if you're shifting and you're saying okay we're going to play the cash flow game we're going to play the long-term asset value game we know that there's not a ton of equity we're not doing an equity play right now because it's hit or miss we're going to take our resources and we're going to focus on the rental market and there's several different places that you can do that with right you can do your typical you know 12 month lease be a landlord you have lease option opportunities where you're the bank right and you have airbnb opportunities that that those are absolutely spectacular they're killing the hotels right now i mean literally killing the hotels so you have you have options there and you just need to understand how to work those options because yes steve yes it is a viable uh technique and strategy right now to focus on rental properties or or a buy and hold strategy with whatever however you're renting them out owner financing airbnb but a buy and hold strategy or better yet an acquire and hold strategy because a lot of the strategies we teach especially with what we know is coming up with the foreclosures because of all these forbearances and you know all this stuff going down we know that we'll be able to take over some of that real estate right you know we were talking um sometime earlier about cycles hmm. uh, a good while ago i bought a house you know and it was outside of what i normally do i like to buy uh, you know back then i was just buying vacant houses flipping flipping them to other investors well, i came across this one that had a tenant in it and i said well, yeah i think i'll buy it anyway and and i just left the tenant in there and collected the rent and and did what i did i sold it you know six months a year later two years later i can't remember and i ran my numbers on it and i said wow this is pretty good i i pretty much had a zero holding costs because now i wasn't paying you know the well the rent uh, offset the uh the interest expense that i had on that property so when i when i sold it you know of course i sold it for more than i bought it so that was all profit right there so if you just take that approach and now your only job really is you know you buy it right as right as you can it doesn't really matter so much if you're if you're on a long-term thought basis, it doesn't matter if you're going to get it for a few dollars more than what it's worth, 
or a few dollars less or whatever. You're in for the long haul, but you're kind of looking at, okay, the cash flow. Can I, can I uh, get some cash flow out of it? Positive cash flow would be great. But now it almost doesn't even matter if you do that. As long as you're break even cash flow and you know, you've got your income coming from somewhere else. Uh, naturally, you know, I like, I like, uh, positive cash flow is always better for me. But, um, so now your only job after that, and once you get that set up is just do more. And then, then your job is one thing, hmm. stay alive. <laughs> That's it. You know, just live, you know, keep living. And then when, the, when the cycles change, sell, you know, and follow that adage when everybody's buying sell that's right when everybody's selling you know that's time to buy well shameless plug you know when there's blood in the streets it's time to buy by the way that's the mm -hmm. name of the book you can catch the link in the description below yeah. <laughs> but uh i mean that that's the truth i mean there uh, i think this is just me you know and again i'm not an economist i'm not a a specialist you know uh for you know whatever news media outlet you like to uh, watch. But so you're saying you're not giving any financial advice. I'm here. not this giving any financial entertainment advice. Entertainment purposes only. Entertainment purposes only. And we're the, you know, yes, sir. And we're right. just, you know, I, I look at the numbers. Opinions. That's right. <laughs> I look at, you know, Zillow thinks that rates are going to, you know, or home values are going to increase, you know, by like 14% by the end of the year. Right. Yes. But, didn't didn't Zillow just make a, a huge play in buying a whole bunch of, of single-family houses and lost their shirt? Uh, so should we be did. listening to them? I'm absolutely, absolutely not. But that's what yeah. is out there. You know, you're not getting the data from, you know, most people aren't reading the data from CoreLogic. Most people aren't reading the data from um, uh, uh, Realtor.com or, or even MLS, believe it or not, which, hmm. which has it at a much, much shorter clip. Some of them, you know, Fannie and Freddie, are, are thinking it's going to be somewhere between 6.9 and 7.1. And and if you just meet in the middle there, right, and say, yeah, because CoreLogic thinks it's going to be even lower than that. CoreLogic is more along the lines of what I think. But keep in mind, CoreLogic is the company that collects data on, on uh, employment, L late payments on your mortgage, late payments on your car, late payments on your credit cards. They've been collecting this data for decades, okay? They can predict patterns based on people's movements. And so I'm, I'm more inclined to believe that their numbers are, are going to be a little more accurate, maybe at about a 2% clip, okay? That's where they're at. Now, 2% increase in home prices? Right. Okay. 2% over the, over over 22. I think it's going to be somewhere between there and the median, somewhere between there and seven. You know, okay. I think it's going to be somewhere between there. I don't think we'll be at a loss immediately. I think we'll be at a plateau before we get there. And that, again, is going to be a national average. You're going to have pockets in this country that are going to lose value. You're going to have pockets in this country that are going to gain significant value, significantly higher than that. But on average, that's where I think we're going to wind up. But also on average, we're going to see rental numbers increase at, at, at least 7%. At least 7%. Depending on where you are, it, can be, it could be higher. 
but I think that we'll see that rental values over the course of 2022, by the end of 2022, we'll see, you know, we'll look back and say, yeah, there, there's about a 7, 8, 9, 10% uh, uh, increase in rental value, which tells you that you need to go and play the cash flow game. Right now, you said that uh, in the in last week's show, you said uh, that the, by the end of this year, you think we're going to be in a negative equity situation. But, but did so, I hear that right? Did I remember that right? Well, it, but as I just said, in some pockets, we're going to be under. That we they will lose some value. Okay. Some uh, okay and, and, in and, the pockets. Right, and that's why I think the national average is going to be somewhere between two and seven in terms of appreciation. That that is. We know for sure that there will be pockets of the country that will have lost value. We know mm -hmm. for sure that'll be the case. I mean, if if home values, national home values, do not appreciate above seven percent over the year, that's mm -hmm. my that's my novice opinion on where I think we're going to be based on my belief that we'll have those three um, rate increases by year's end, which will as you stated before, will slow demand down. You know, people will buy less because it costs more, right? And that eventually yep. will bring the prices down. It's a basic supply and demand expansion and contraction, right? We, you know, and we can't tell the future. You no. know, just be aware of that. No one can. No one knows the future. It's all all a set of probabilities. So we're just saying, okay, what are the circumstances now, and what's most probable to happen next mm -hmm. that's right i i like that he's my lawyer by the way guys <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> um, not your lawyer <laughs> he, he cleaned that one up really really good <laughs> but i think that that's where we're going steve um you know and for for the people that are listening you know we've we have already i mean we're looking our campaigns look for everything we're 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 marketing constantly for wholesale deals. We're looking for fix and flip opportunities. That makes sense. We're looking for buy and hold stuff. We're working with hedge fund companies that are looking for very specific things. Uh, you know, it's we are preparing ourselves for the shift by doing the work right now, by creating the relationships, uh, uh, getting the you know the the get to know you campaigns with with people that aren't ready to sell today but will be in three months four months six months and they will be they will be open to creative financing opportunities because unless you're you know super well connected and you've got a ton of liquidity that you can leverage you know it's going to be you're going to have to be a creative investor to take down the abundance of of real estate that's going to be available to us i believe over the next couple of years I think uh, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said creative financing, because really it's ultimately it's about the financing. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're paying a 15% hard money loan, there's not, not much opportunity for you to turn around and rent that house and make any money, you know, yeah. because your lender is going to make all that. So. Yeah. Yeah. And a hard money, private money loan with a fifteen with a high interest rate, you've got one option, you know, that's sell the house, you know, fix it and sell it mm -hmm. or just sell it or whatever you're doing, whatever your plan is. But if you've got the flexibility, I mean, we just did a house, you know, we, we've expanded our, you know, you were talking about all the different things that we're doing. 
In addition, we're expanding our market area to certainly the southeast and the, and the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing houses in Mississippi, Alabama, you know, Florida, and Iowa, and Ohio, Florida, whatever. <laughs> Wherever there's an opportunity, and it's yeah. not about the location anymore. Yeah. It's about the data and the opportunities and the imagination and the financing that you have. You know, we just sold that house in, in Mississippi, but it was a structured situation where we put together the private money and the, the individual that wants it and it's a fixer up. You know, it's just just what it is, you know, just finding the, the components and putting that jigsaw puzzle together. You know, Steve, you have a, a picture out of it. You have a wonderful saying uh, about about opportunity and imagination. Yes, sir. Can you opportunity and imagination. Yeah, we can you know, people that uh, like I like to say and Miles is is liking to say it too, it's just you know, people just run out of imagination. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's where we can step in because we're, our imaginations are a little larger. But that's all about it, just having more information at your fingertips when you're when you're out there investing in terms of okay, how can I handle this? If you're, if we mentioned in last week's show, if you're just a wholesaler, you have one thing. You know, you reach in, you got your wrench, and that's it. You know, maybe it's an adjustable wrench, but that's not enough. You know, you need a pair of pliers, you need a saw, you need a hammer, you need all those other things to to have a complete toolkit to invest in real estate. And uh, and there's a lot out there. And, and I'm not saying that, you know, I know everything, but I've been, you know, Miles and I have been around the block a few times. We know a lot and uh, we don't even know how much we know. And so we start talking to somebody who says, wow, I never thought of that. I never yeah. thought of this. We take a lot of it for granted, Miles. You know, you especially, and we do that for sure. <laughs> but but yeah. we do that in our conversations. I mean, well, we still do that to each other today, and, yeah. and that's just because sometimes you can be so on top of it that you can't. You know, you're you're so micro that you're missing the macro, and it takes the other set of eyeballs to say, "Well, what about this? This is right there," and it's like, "Oh, okay," because you know, but. That's the benefit of having that collective mind and not being the, 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 the person that thinks they can do it all by themselves because you simply cannot. It's, you know? it's huge, you know, you know, we've all got to have a muse of some sort, uh, whether it's a, you call it a mentor, you call it a partner, you call it, you know, it just anybody. It doesn't even have to be somebody you work with on a regular basis. It's, you go to these meetup groups or you go to, uh, similar, whatever seminars you you hang around with other real estate investors, and it doesn't even have to be in your business as long as it's you know some kind of uh, something parallel like people who are buying and selling businesses, for example. Mm-hmm. You can listen to that and get ideas that you can convert into your investment business or your whatever business you're doing. Doesn't That's matter. right. It, it, it truly doesn't matter. What's most important is that you take action. You know, as you're listening to this, I want to say. If, if you want to know more about some of the creative uh, financing structures, the marketing, uh, the marketing piece, just reach out to us. I'm, I'm definitely going to have uh, some, some links in the description below for you to contact us, set up a private consultation uh, so that we can see you know, what's best for you and hopefully uh, be on a road to working together with one another because the reality of it is these opportunities will constantly uh, shift and change. Your job is to be able to identify 
those changes and where you can fit yourself in. How you do that the quickest is by working with people that have already been there, that are already doing it, so that you don't have to figure out how, to, how do I get my balance in this situation? Do I stay still? Do I move left? Do I move right? What do I do? What do I do? Do I change courses all the way? Don't be that person. Get yourself somebody to talk to, as Steve just mentioned. We are happy to work with you. Just hit a link below. We work with people all around the country uh, that are investing in everything from um, land to multifamily, single family. We work with everybody. And, and you know, if, you've ever been to, if you've ever been to one of those, you know, three day, $2,000 free seminars. That's right. As you call it. <laughs> so it looks so clear when they put it up on the board and, and give you examples. I mean, it's like, oh, wow, anybody can see that, right? But then you get out and start looking at all these houses and, and nothing looks like the one that they showed you on the board at, mm -hmm. at the seminar. And it gets confusing. So then what do you do? You, you, most people stop because now they're out of imagination because it, they say, well, it doesn't look like that. It only works over there. It doesn't work over here. It works everywhere. But, you know, you may not know that. So that's, that's what I think you're talking about. For sure. Absolutely. So I encourage you guys to take action. You know, don't miss out on this opportunity because it's in these opportunities. It's in these moments. We're on the precipice of a new wave of millionaires and multimillionaires being created because of what's coming. You have to, you have to have foresight in your investment options. You have to have foresight in your investment partners. You have to have foresight with your educators, but you have to take advantage. See who works best for you. See where you want to go with your investment opportunities moving forward, but know that you definitely need to be working on your creative financing and your marketing. We're here to help you with that, understanding exactly how you could take advantage of this upcoming rental market and win and position yourself to really, really be good in the next two to three years. So this is your man, Miles, and hey, Steve Conley, unemployable, hashtag. And we wish you all the best, you guys. Talk to you next week.